Uh, put up your hand if you made a New Year's resolution this year. Great. Uh, put up your hand if you... Oh, no, actually don't. Just tell me. Who, who wants to tell us what your New Year's resolution was? Yeah. To get fit. To get fit. Great. Who, who else made the resolution to get fit? Got a few of you, yep. Rig, what's yours? I want to grow some pecs. Grow some pecs? On your chest? On your chest. You never had pecs? Ah, oh, excellent. Anyone here who has pecs, talk to Rig. Let him know. Yeah. Tim and Rig, you should guys get together. Help make Rig a Rig. All right. Uh, who else? Who else? What, what did you? What was your new resolution? Go to bed earlier. How did you go last night? No, you didn't do it. All right. <laughs> have you been achieving your going to bed earlier in general? No, you haven't. Uh, any, anyone else have a New Year's resolution? Yeah. Uh, deleted Instagram. Deleted Instagram. Is it still off your phone? It is. Yes. Is it off your life? Uh, I still have the account, but it doesn't have access to it by my phone. Okay. All right. So nobody tell that it's really easy to get there through your browser. Uh, <laughs> what? Anyway, yeah. I started a diet for New Year's resolution, but then forgot to start eating all these lollipops on New Year's Day, and then remembered <laughs> the next day. <laughs> so you started a diet like at midnight, and then forgot within a few hours, yeah. <laughs> ate a lot of lollipops, and then started again. So it was like a New Year's, little bit new, less New Year's resolution. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Anyone who? Yeah. Filming one second every day. I wanted to do that. So I was, I was like at the fireworks. I've always wanted to do it. I was at the fireworks on the New Year's Eve. And uh, we had this great spot that was like on the Carl Expressway, which is like the road that goes over the top of um, Circular Quay Station. And so we had this view that was like, we've got the Harbour Bridge and the Opera House. And I was like, this is great. And then I was taking photos and I filmed some. And then when I was lying in bed, that night, I was like, oh, I filmed a second of video, at least a second. I've always wanted to do a second every day. And I was like, I wanted, and, and this could be the year because I've, I've started it. And then on the 2nd of January, I was, I was sitting in, in my house and I was doing some work. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna film? And I was like, I'm inside at the moment. When I go outside, I will film. That's what I'm gonna do. And then I never went outside. <laughs> that was the end of that. <laughs> So you guys who have made New Year's resolutions, who has kept them so far? All right, great. A few of you. And who has not kept them? Yeah. And now who, who has the experience of making a resolution and then not keeping it? <laughs> Pretty much all of us. Yeah, we know what that's like, that we're like, yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah. And you get really excited and you're passionate about it. And then... Pretty soon, you are not doing it anymore. Like, I always am wanting to get fit, and then suddenly I find myself not getting fit. Or I'm always wanting to go to bed earlier, or to read lots of books, or to stop watching as much TV, or to eat healthier. All those things, I never achieve any of them. I may have a happier life, but I don't get any of that stuff done that I want to do. Peter, he is, like we've been discovering all the way through this week, he is just like us. 
He is someone who is very, very resolved to do amazing things and he is very, very good at not achieving it. So when we start by looking at Mark chapter 14, we see this is the night before Jesus is killed. And he's just had the Last Supper with the disciples where he's taught them about communion. And then we hear at verse 27, he's He's just left the place where they've had the Last Supper and they're going out to the Mount of Olives. And then Jesus turns to them and says, You will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter declared, Even if all fall away, I will not. And Jesus says, Truly I tell you today, Yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Everyone's like, yeah, 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 us too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, we won't. None of us will desert you. Oh, no, we're sticking in it. We're here for the long haul, Jesus. And then they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And it says that um, Jesus... Uh, says to them, sit here while I pray. And then he took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. And going a little bit further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. And Jesus prays this deep prayer and is asking God that if only he would not have to go to the cross, uh, he, could God please find a way? But as we know, he says, um, that not my will, but your will be done. And then he's after praying this prayer of deep anguish, he comes back and he returns to his disciples and he finds them sleeping. Peter, who just said that he said, even if all fall away, I will not. If he's emphatic, he said, I would even die with you, can't even stay awake with Jesus. Peter falls asleep. And if you are anything like me, you know what it is like to be Peter. Because how many times have you gone to have a prayer time and then you've fallen asleep? How many times on camp have you done it? I did it yesterday. I was like, I'm going to read my Bible and pray. And uh, I went to read my Bible and pray and I read my Bible and napped. Because so often prayer time just becomes nap time. And Peter is so much like us here. He has these great dreams of being really faithful. And at the first hurdle, he stumbles. And it tells us that three times this happens. Three times Jesus goes away to pray and three times he comes back and finds Peter sleeping. And as we're going to see today's talk, things seem to happen to Peter three times a lot. And Jesus says to them, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And that's so often the case for us. So often we are really keen to follow Jesus with everything we've got. Our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. And we find it difficult to follow through on our desires and our resolve. Anyway, eventually after this, people come to arrest Jesus and Peter 
is angry about this, that Jesus gets betrayed by Judas and then people have come with you know, clubs and spears and torches. They're all come to take Jesus off away. And Peter doesn't like this, so he pulls out a sword and he cuts off the ear of one of the servants who are there to arrest Jesus. Now here's Peter, who is meant to be the head of the church. He's meant to be the guy who is groomed to... To, to lead the, the global Christian expansion and is running around with a sword cutting ears off people. Like if the pastor of your church, you know, got angry and cut limbs off, you'd be like, nah, don't think you should be in ministry, probably jail. And, and this is the guy who Jesus picks to lead the church. And then we read in, uh, in another part of the Bible that what Jesus does is he then heals the guy's ear and he's, he's probably just like, Peter, come on, can we just try and make this as easy as possible? Like, why do you have to go and complicate everything by like chopping ears off? <laughs> anyway, Peter, Jesus gets arrested and, and he gets taken uh, before the Sanhedrin. And we're uh, down now to uh, verse 53. Oh, actually, let's just get back a little bit just because this is great. Uh, Peter, Jesus gets arrested and it says in verse 51, a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. <laughs> I just thought I'd show you the Bible streaker. And anyway, so at uh, verse 53, they took Jesus to the high priest and, and all the chief priests and elders and teachers of the law came together. Remember what uh, we talked about two days ago, how Jesus said that this would happen, that the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law would all uh, conspire together. And here they are conspiring together to, to get Jesus. It says, Peter followed at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And there he sat with the guards and warmed himself by the fire. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. And so here are some people who are all trying to get Jesus killed. And so they make this court and they bring it together and they're not doing it in the right way. Like in, in those times, the Jewish court and the Sanhedrin, these are all like the the religious bigwigs, the, the highest spiritual authority in Israel, who though they sit under the authority of the Romans who have taken over, they're all getting together and they want to kind of find something to bring to the Romans and say, look, this is why we should put Jesus to death. Uh, but they're not going about the right way because their court has to meet during the day. And here they are kind of hastily convened in the middle of the night so that no one can figure out what's going on. And they get a bunch of people to come along and lie about Jesus. And none of the things work. And, and they keep saying these things about Jesus. And as we read, it tells us that the whole way through, Jesus is silent. They keep talking about how terrible Jesus is. And they, um, they, they smear his reputation and never does he speak up for himself. When they lie about him, he never tells them, he said, no, no, that's not true. No, that's not who I am. He just cops it. And the only time he speaks up is when it says here down in verse uh, 61, it says, again, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? And Jesus replied, I am. And you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. 
The high priest tore his robes. Why do we need any more witnesses? He asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him as worthy of death. None of their words could condemn Jesus to death. And the only time Jesus speaks is when he tells the truth about himself and it is when he tells the truth about himself that he is condemned to death. They couldn't kill him. Jesus does it willingly. And he fulfills what he said in John 10 that nobody takes his life from him. He lays it down willingly. Because Jesus is always in control. He always uh, knows what has to happen. Everyone else thinks they're conspiring, but he gives his life up willingly because he knows what has to happen. And at any point in time, he could have gotten out of there. At any point in time, he could have said, I've had enough, I'm out of here. He could have abandoned the whole situation. He would have been God and continued to be God. And it would have been always his prerogative to do that. But he chose to continue on to death because he knew that after death or through death, uh, he would win for, for us, for the world, salvation for anyone who trusts in him. He was doing it for us. He remained faithful to us who are faithless. Because you only have to look down, uh, in the, uh, down below in the court where Peter is warming his hands by the fire to see what we are like. Because Peter is there and he is, he's got his own trial going on and it's a lot less impressive than Jesus'. Uh, in verse 66, it says this, While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You are with the Nazarene, Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. So here comes this girl. She is a servant girl. And, uh, and probably in those days, like those servant girls were probably about the age of like 12 or 13. And so she's young and she's a servant and she's a girl. And in those days, those all were things that made her powerless. Now, I'm not saying that's right, but that's how things were in those days. She was a servant, she was a girl, and she was young. There is no reason why she is a threat to Peter. But Peter is afraid of her and she accuses him of being with Jesus and he denies it flat out. It's like, oh, no, I'm not. And then he leaves to go somewhere else as if like that makes him look more innocent. And then it says, uh, it says this, it says, verse 69, when the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. And again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. And he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you are talking about. And when it says that he called down curses, the Bible is ambiguous at that point about what that actually means. Like, did he call down curses on himself and say, Oh, I don't know this man Jesus, and if I know him, then may God strike me dead for lying. Kind of like saying, you know, I don't know him, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye, I definitely don't know Jesus. That could be what he's saying. Or it could be that he is calling down curses upon Jesus. And he's saying, I don't know that man. What, all I know is that he is a terrible sinner and I hope God destroys him for the things that he has done. 
We don't know exactly what this cursing of Peter is, but either way, it's not good. And then it says here, Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. And I think when we look at Peter, we then again see ourselves in him. Because we know that we are people who have been faithless. That we have made commitments to Jesus and we haven't followed through. That we have sins that we have said, I'm not going back there. And we go back there. Or ways that we've said, I will stand up for Jesus. And we've denied him in front of our friends and our families. We've said, I'm going to stand up for what is true and what is right. And then we haven't spoken up when we know that we should. We know what it's like to be faithless like Peter. To be cowardly like Peter. To be afraid like Peter. And to want to weep over our sin like Peter. We know what it's like. We see Jesus being faithful and we want to be like him. We want to be the people who tell the truth, who stand up for what's right, who are willing to suffer for what is good. But we know that so often we are much more like Peter. And that could be the end of the story for Peter. That's it. He stuffs up, he runs away, he's done. But it's not the end of the story for Peter. And the great thing is that if you feel like that about yourself, if you feel unworthy of being a follower of Jesus because while he is faithful, you are faithless, it's not the end of the story for you either. Uh, If you want to turn now to Mark chapter 16, it tells us that after Jesus was killed, after he was executed at the cross, uh, some women went to the tomb where he was buried to anoint his body. And it says that there they didn't find a body, but they did find angels. And in verse 6, this is what they said, or the angel said, says, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell the disciples and Peter, He is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. Jesus has a special message for Peter. And he's saying, Peter, come and find me. If you remember from the very first night when we were talking about Peter, Jesus found him by the shores of the lake in Galilee, and he said, come and follow me. And once again, Jesus has a new message for Peter saying, come and find me. And so if we turn to John chapter 21, we see what happened in that story. It says that they, uh, they went fishing, Peter and the other disciples. And while they were, while they were fishing, uh, Jesus went down to the lake and he stood on the shore This is in verse 4. 
And the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. And Jesus calls out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the other side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And if, you're, if you know your Bible, you know that this is a trick that Jesus has done before. Uh, in the book of Luke, we see that you know, Jesus tells them to throw their net over the side and they pull in a whole bunch of fish and then they do it again here. And it says here from verse 7, The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord! And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say it, say, It is the Lord! He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. I don't know, like, why you get dressed to go swimming. I don't know, because you're Peter. And then it says, The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. I wonder, I don't know, because it doesn't say, but I wonder if Peter was there and he was in his, like, you know, fishing speedos and then uh, you know he threw on his cloak and he's like it's the lord and he dived in and he's swimming and the other guy's like we'll just take the boat he's like Ooh, and then he sees them go past and then they pull up on the shore and then they all settle down and Peter's like oh, oh it's really hard swimming in a cloak <laughs> anyways Peter, Peter comes up and uh and Jesus is there and Jesus is uh, cooking breakfast for them and, and it says uh, that when, oh, sorry, where are we up to? Verse 10 says, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore and it was full of large fish, 153, because someone counted, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was Jesus. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Jesus is saying, you are the leader, Peter. And it's your job to look after these people. It's your job to look after those people who I call to myself. You've got to feed them. You've got to care for them. This is your job, Peter. Will you take the job of leader? Will you be the person who I have called you to be? And then he asks him again. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch. When you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. And Jesus is calling Peter once more to follow him, once more to be faithful. He's forgiving him for the way that he has abandoned him. Three times he gives Peter the opportunity once again 
to commit himself to Jesus. And Peter commits himself. And then he tells him about how he is going to die. And it is, in fact, fulfilled. Uh, Jesus eventually leaves. He goes into heaven. And then the disciples are gathered and they're waiting. And Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to come upon them and fill them. This is God's presence in them, giving them strength and power. And so if you look in the next page, you've got Acts. And in Acts chapter 2, it tells us what happens. They get filled with power. And then it tells us that Peter goes out to preach. Peter, the same Peter who was afraid of like the, the servant girl, like the, the 13-year-old girl, he was afraid of her knowing that he was with Jesus, now stands up in front of a crowd of thousands and he begins to preach. And he says to them, uh, he, says, he says this, Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I, what I say. These people are not drunk, because there was a bunch of people out there preaching in different languages, which seemed like they were drunk. As you suppose, it is only nine in the morning. We don't get drunk till 12. That's, that's not in there. <laughs> and then he goes on to explain the, the plan of God to them. And then he tells them in verse 36, he says, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord our God will call. That is a huge transformation. The man who was afraid of a girl stands up in front of a crowd of many and says, this Messiah, you crucified him. And will you repent and put your trust in him? That is the power of the change that God works in us. And then we hear in history, and I know I've got one more talk to go, but I'm going to give you a spoiler. We hear in history that that Peter went on and preached all over the world, the known world, about who Jesus was. And he went all the way to Rome. And in Rome, tradition tells us that he was crucified like Jesus. But he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. And he was killed upside down because of his commitment to Jesus. That is a huge change. Simon the weak became Peter the rock. And the truth is that that same Jesus who died and changed Peter, the same Jesus who forgave Peter for what he did, the same Jesus who sent the Holy Spirit to Peter and gave him courage, is the same Jesus who calls you to follow him. And if you feel like you are unworthy, if you feel like you are faithless, then you need to know that Jesus is faithful on your behalf. If you feel like you are unable to be the person that Jesus calls you to be, if you feel like you're not good enough to be the leader that you think that you should be, then all you need to do is look at what God did in Peter and know that he can do the same thing in you, that the same Holy Spirit will change you, the same Holy Spirit will give you courage, the same Holy Spirit will know that you are not your past, but you are your future in Jesus. You don't have to be defined by your mistakes 
You can be defined by the future that you have before you. This is the good news of following Jesus. That you and I, we can be like Peter. So often we are like Peter who makes mistakes, but we can be like Peter who stands up for Jesus. Are you willing to do that? You don't have to do it alone. Jesus sends his spirit for you. You don't have to live in your guilt. Jesus died so that you might be forgiven. You don't have to live in your fear. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so that you might be courageous. You can be the leader that you are called to be. If you're willing to trust in Jesus who has called you to follow him. Will you come and follow Jesus? If you are not a Christian, then what this means is that while you have your failures and you have your past, at the moment that is all you have. But Jesus offers you a new future and a forgiveness for the things that you have done and to make you into a new person, to slowly but surely become the person that he wants you to be. Not the person who is always stuffing up, but the person who is changed little by little to be who you were created to be. You only have to put your trust in Jesus to ask him for forgiveness and he will give it to you and he'll send his spirit to change you. You should follow him. And if you are a Christian, then you need to know that your past does not define you. You have a God who saved you and a Holy Spirit that lives in you and you can be who you were called to be if you put your trust in him. Let's be people who live up to what we have been called to be in Jesus. How about I pray for us? Lord God, we thank you that even though we are faithless sometimes, you are always faithful. We thank you that though we crumble like Simon the coward, you can make us strong like Peter the rock. We thank you that your Holy Spirit transforms us and it's a free gift for us if we trust in your Son, Jesus. We thank you for all that Jesus did so that he might win new life for us. I pray that we will live that new life, that we will not be defined by our past, but we will know that we are defined by the future you have for us. Help us to trust in you to become the people that you are making us to be. Amen.